How would you like to experience security and safety? We'll tell you where to go to find it next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Safety and security. Maybe like many, you long to experience that, but you feel like it's really hard to find, especially in our day and age of rising gas prices and inflation, a stock market that is plummeting, along with sickness all around. Well, I'm happy to say there is security and safety to be found, and it's in Jesus. That wonderful truth is before us today on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor visits John chapter 10. So number one, he gives eternal life. Number two, notice he says, they shall never perish. Mark that word never. You know what it means? Never. never. It's a strong word. He says it in the positive, and now he says it in the negative. You will never perish. Salvation is eternal, and you will never perish. Thirdly, and by the way, he says, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. They are safe and secure in me, Jesus says. My sheep are safe and secure under my care. While all hell might break loose to snatch us away, Paul would put it, hey, nothing's going to separate us from the love of God. While there is everything, ourselves, the world, the flesh, the devil, trying to separate us and snatch us from God, Jesus promises you have eternal life as a believer, you'll never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. You go, Ed, still, I'm, not, I'm still not convinced. Well, notice verse 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. These are some of the most encouraging, comforting verses in all the Bible. And so you know what believers do with some of the most encouraging, comforting scriptures in all the Bible? They like to argue about them. And there's the argument of eternal security or the nature of salvation or once saved, always saved. There's all sorts of ways to discuss this. And we've looked at this in depth many times before. I just want to encourage you to accept the words of Jesus. He said he gives you eternal life. Accept it. He says you'll never perish. Accept it. And he says no one's going to snatch you out of his hands. You go, oh, right. And then even when someone tries, no one's going to snatch you out of his Father's hands. The eternal triune God has secured your salvation as the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. It reminded me uh, as a dad when my kids were younger. I had a, a very specific memory of my son, Eddie, when we were new believers and we were coming to a church like this, Calvary Chapel Downey, and the parking lot was packed and we had to park all the way around the block and across the street, a street much like Hampton where cars are going all over the place, dump trucks and everything. It's just crazy. And we had to take my little family, take my wife and my son across the street. And so I would say, okay, Eddie, grab my hand. And I've done this with all of my kids, but I remember this in particular. So grab my hand. So what they would normally do, my kids would grab my pinky. And they'd grab my pinky, and we'd be ready to run across the, the, the highway. But when times, and most of the time at the mall and stuff, that would be fine. You know, just grab my pinky, and that would be fine. But in times of danger, 
there would be a time where I'd come in with Hampton, and I'd be, okay, let's go. It's time. I think we can make it. And, and Eddie's got my hand, but then I would flip around and grab his wrist. And I'm not letting go of the kid. He can hold my pinky all he wants, and he can have the security. I'm holding on to Dad. But you know, the reality is, is Dad is holding on to him. And that's true for you and me when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. Because aren't there times... I mean, what we, there is that analogy of us holding on to the Lord, man, and just grabbing hold of the promises of God and grabbing hold of our relationship with him and just having that firm grip. But haven't you experienced, I certainly have, those times when my grip is weak to non-existent. I have nothing left. I have no strength in my hand. I have no strength in my spiritual life. It's in times like that where I say, you know what, Lord? I'm not what I was. My confidence isn't as high. I'm not as strong. I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. Whatever it might be, it's times like then. I'm like, wait a minute. God gave me eternal life. I'm never going to perish. And I'm so safe in his hands that no one will snatch me out. Now, when we talk about that confidence in our salvation, that safety and security, remember it's God and his power that keeps you saved. That's what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Jot it down. We are kept by the power of God. And Peter wrote that, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And Peter not only wrote it, he experienced it. What great failure came from his life. I mean, denying the Lord to just denying him straight up. Just saying, no, everything I've known for three years, no way. And yet, Jesus restored him. I think Jesus, he also gave us insight of what this looks like with the prodigal son. Because there are those times, and I do believe the Bible teaches that a believer can choose to backslide or become like a prodigal. Some of you right now have prodigals in your family, whether it's a son or a daughter or maybe a mom or a dad that just aren't walking with the Lord right now. You go, Ed, what do you do about them? What do we do about them? I mean, is it okay then for a believer just to go out and live like the devil? Listen, believers generally don't go and live like the devil. When I see somebody living like the devil, I challenge them on their salvation. Because generally, people that live for God live for God. They might have episodes of the prodigal son. I think Jesus put that parable in the Bible for us on purpose. Because you have the prodigal son who lived safely in his dad's house. He had a great relationship with his dad, but one day decides, you know, I want what's mine. I want to do my own thing. I want to do it my own way. And he takes his inheritance from his dad, takes off, and lives a prodigal life, a sinful life. He lives outside of his father's covering. He lives outside of his father's care. He leaves home. He ditches them and he's gone. And he lives a sinful life and he develops a lot of new friends until trouble hits. And he's run out of money and he's got to get a job and he gets a job feeding pigs and he sits there going, what am I doing? And he starts to recall the relationship with his dad. And the Bible says that at that point he came to his senses Because a a prodigal life for a believer is not, you're not thinking clearly. You think, well, you know, maybe I'll try that backsliding thing out, man. Maybe I'll find out. And I say, don't do that. There's consequence for sin. There's always difficulty. And for believers that choose that, like the Bible says that you're sinning against knowledge. So it's not like you're ignorant. I mean, you know full well. But the thing about the son that I always like to point out is that in all his decisions, you know what? He was still his father's son. He never stopped being a son. And when he came to his senses and he started thinking about what he needed to do, what did he do? He chose to go back 
to his father. He didn't go to his neighbor's house. He didn't go to his uncle's house. He chose to go back to the safety and security of his father in humility and brokenness. So believers generally don't live like the devil. Maybe there are episodes, but even there, even if that's you right now, the father's calling you back home. He doesn't approve of that decision to live that way. He doesn't approve of you going against everything that your parents ever taught you or things that you learned when you were born again. He doesn't approve of that. He calls you back to himself. In a few minutes, few minutes you'll have an opportunity to do just that. And yet in our time remaining, I want to give to you 10 things that you can look for in a believer. So if you haven't been taking notes, it's time to take notes. So grab a pen, get something to write down, write on your arm if you need to or on your shirt, whatever you need to do. And let's look at the security that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's not divide over. Let's not argue about it. Let's just look what true believers look like. Let, let's see what the Bible has to say so, so you can look for. Maybe you're going to use this list in your own life of what a believer looks like. What are the characteristics of a believer? I've come up with 10 things, but they're not only the only 10 things, but they're enough, okay? So number one, a believer demonstrates a spiritual life. Number one, a spiritual life. You have spiritual life now. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. You have life now. In Ephesians chapter 2, in the beginning there, Paul would write to the church and say, you guys that were dead in your trespasses, God has made alive. You have spiritual life now. You care about spiritual things. Your God is revealing to you spiritual things. You're awake, you're alive, you're alert to all that God is doing in the world today. And at one point, you weren't alive. You were alive physically, but you weren't alive spiritually. Believers care about spiritual things. Secondly, you have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about it. There's probably a time in your life we didn't even care about the Holy Spirit. But now as a believer, not only do you have spiritual life, but it makes sense, doesn't it, that you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, sensitive to his leading, sensitive to his guiding, sensitive to his conviction, sensitive. You no longer rely upon your conscience. You rely upon the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit in your life, which is far greater than any of our consciences. And he's the one that deals and lives the life of Jesus in and through our lives. Jot it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So just like when Jesus convicted you of sin and you were born again, that sensitivity has only grown more as you continue to walk and live with him. You just you see things now. You understand the Bible. You're like, wow, I get that. I understand what he means. I understand what he means, and I understand what he means for my life. True believers have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, believers have a desire for fellowship. Believers have a desire for fellowship. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The word in the Greek is koinonia, and it literally means to share in common. The early church in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They were studying the word of God in prayer, in the breaking of bread, and also in fellowship. Think about this. You have a desire to be with other believers. You didn't have that before. You have a desire to be with other believers. And I know we use the language, well, I'm going to church, 
But when you say that, you are not saying, you're not saying you're going to that building. Yeah, that's not really what you mean. Because if you showed up uh, to this building on a Tuesday morning, I mean, not so much anymore because the kids are here uh, for the school, so they kind of own the place and they run around and they're just all over the place. They just bring life. Those little believers just bring life to our building. But if the school wasn't here and you came on a Tuesday morning, you'd come to this room, it would be empty. You wouldn't even want to be in here because the air conditioning's not on and there's nothing here. So when you say you're coming to church, you're looking for fellowship. You're looking to be with other believers. You want to hear about the things of God. You want to talk about the things of God. You have a Think about that. For some of you, that's remarkable because you didn't have it before. <laughs> you didn't have it before. I mean, you, you know, don't think fellowship is just hanging out at Starbucks talking about football. That's not true spiritual fellowship. That's fellowship in football. And, and that's fine. You want to get together and talk about football. But for a believer, you have something more inside of you. That if you're connecting with someone at Starbucks about football, eventually you want the conversation to go toward the things of God. You know, if it's an unbeliever, you're using football to build a bridge into their life. You know, if you are two believers coming together, you kind of connect on cars, or you connect on knitting, or whatever it is you connect on, you want to take that conversation. You just have a natural way. What's God doing in your life? What's happening? What'd you learn in devotions? What's the Lord doing in your life? You have a desire for fellowship. One enough fellowship with one another, you want fellowship with the Lord. Number four, a true believer has an obvious, steady obedience in their lives. Now, notice I didn't say perfect obedience. That would be fruitless. None of us have perfect obedience. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and it still pops up in our lives. But a steady obedience, like Jesus said in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So you hear what Jesus says, and you follow him. You no longer do your own thing. God overrules you. We obey him and do the things that he says. Not only do we obey him, but a true believer, this is, this is amazing to us. This is the work of God in our lives. There's a word for this. It's called the sanctifying work of God. He's changing us, and this is one of the ways he's changing us. Not only, not only do we obey, but we get to the place where we want to obey. Now, you might be in a stage right now where you don't want to obey. You just don't want to do the right thing. You don't want to obey. You know what to do, but you don't feel like doing it. This is my advice to you, my counsel to you. Obey no matter what you feel. Just do it because you should. Just obey, and your emotions will follow. Your emotions will follow your obedience, just like your emotions will follow your disobedience. Obedience brings blessings. Disobedience brings consequence. And I've learned over the years of my life that I want the blessings of obedience far more than I want the consequences of disobedience. I've learned that. In your life, you should see a steady path of obedience where God has said something to you and you do it. And you obey him. Not only because you have to, but listen, if you have to, just do it because you have to. Just do the right thing because you have to. God will bless that. He won't bless disobedience. Disobedience will take you away from the will of God. Obedience will take you into fellowship. But as you grow in grace, you're going to find that you don't have to anymore. You want to. That's a beautiful place to be. For review, number one, spiritual life. Number two, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Number three, a desire to fellowship. Number four, a steady obedience. Number five, a true believer has demonstrates spiritual assurance. And this simply means you believe God when he says that by faith you are saved. 
not of works, lest any man should boast. It's just by grace through faith. You have an assurance. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Believers know that they have eternal life. We should be confident that we're going to heaven, not because of what we have done, but because of the promise of God. It's a gift of God. It's what God has given to us by faith. And when times of doubt and discouragement come, the believer can rest on the sure foundation of God's word. You have assurance. It's confidence. Number six, the true believer also demonstrates and feels that spiritual security where you know, Jesus just said, nobody's going to snatch you out of the Father's hand. You're safe there. We'll learn later on when we're studying in John, in John chapter 15, uh, where we learn the, the principle of abiding and resting. What a place of safety and securities. Jesus says, no one shall snatch them out of my hands. The Father holds them. You can rest in that promise. Not only that, you believe the promise of God. You, bless, you base your life upon the promises of God. True believers demonstrate in their own lives spiritual security, even to the point where the Bible says, even when our own heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts. He's much greater. Security, assurance. Number seven, a true believer loves what God loves. That makes sense, doesn't it? You have a new love in you, now you love what God loves. We have a whole new way of looking at the world. We now have a love of God abiding in us that is different than anything we've ever experienced. The Greek word used for that love is agape. It's an otherworldly love that comes from the presence of God in us. And again, we've done studies in depth on that. Suffice for us today, you love what God loves. A demonstration of that love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 for homework. Number eight, it's, if it's true that we love what God loves, then number eight, it's true that we hate what God hates. We hate what God hates. A true believer, number eight, hates what God hates. With that love then comes the godly hatred from God. The filth and the perversity of this world is no longer tolerated in our lives. The ugliness, we don't invite it into our lives. We don't participate in it. We see it for what it is. The destructive work of the, of the devil, the destructive work of our world system to pull people away from God. And when we see it, we have a godly hatred toward it, not a compromise in it. And God is growing you in that. You find there are things in your life, there are things no longer in your life today because God has given you a hatred for them. And oftentimes when we're dealing with people that are stuck in sin, we actually pray that they would hate that part of their lives. They would hate that pride. They would hate that whatever it might be because God hates it of what it does in our lives. And in this world, we don't hate the sinners. Why? Because God doesn't hate the sinners. He demonstrated his love for us that even while we were still yet dead in our trespasses, Christ died for us. And yet we have a hatred towards sin and what it does to people and how it twists this world. Number nine, when there are spiritual disagreements for the believer, God always wins. I couldn't get a real fancy phrase for that, so let me just explain it. It's not the kind of disagreements you and I have for one another, with one another, although that is true. Like if we have a disagreement, we've got to let the word of God win in our lives. But I'm speaking about just your simple relationship with God. You're reading through the Bible. Maybe you're sitting in, a, in this Bible study right now. You're listening to it on the radio or watching it online somewhere. You're listening to this, and God has said something, and you don't like it. 
And you go, you know, I don't like that. I just don't think, I think we're going to skip that, and I don't think that's relevant for my life. Well, listen, when you disagree with God, for a believer, God wins. You yield to God. Yielding is, is a true demonstration of a man or a woman that is in the Spirit. Yielding. Not just pushing for your own way, getting your own way, making your point. This is what the Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 17. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Our resistance and fighting nature is replaced with one that's willing to yield, and we bend more and find greater flexibility for the Lord to use us. And number 10, although it's not exhaustive list, finally for us as we leave, is true believers have a real longing for the return of Jesus Christ. Like that is the hunger of our hearts, is for Jesus to come back and rescue his church, come fulfill his word, move into his time as he turns during the last seven years of human history toward winning back and serving the Jewish people and then entering in with a thousand year rule and reign and forever being with the Lord. Do you long for a soon return? I hope you do. Every true saint before you and after you wants Jesus to come back. I'm telling you. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And Pastor Ed, you just gave us 10 things we can look for in a believer. In other words, this is what a believer looks like. But what would you say to the person who, after some self-examination, really can't find these 10 things in their life? Well, if there is a true examination, Larry, that you can't find any of these 10 things in your life, then let's step into a relationship with Jesus right now. That, that the fact that you may not see any of these or experience any of these is a real revelation of your distance from God. And that distance has been created by sin. I know sin is not a popular word today, but it is an important word and it should be much more popular than it is. The Bible says that our sins have separated us from God, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin, if you substitute for the word sin, mistakes, you know, I've made a mistake here, I've made a mistake there, I've gone through. Sin is a mistake against a high and holy God. Like it is an action that is contrary to God's will, your creator, the one who loved you and sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. Sin is far greater than the simple mistakes that we make today, but it's still in that category. I would even dare say that sin is the greatest mistake that we have ever made. And perhaps God is bringing you to that very place where today, you acknowledge your separation from God and you receive the forgiveness of sins through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. His life, his death, and his resurrection is for you to live a life free and clear in relationship with God. So come back to him today. Go to our website uh, at calvaryco.church and there's a No God tab. And I'd encourage you to click that and come through with us and you can just pray to God right now. 
You can pray and say, God, forgive me of my sins. I have sinned against you, and I want to be in relationship with you. And God will answer that prayer. And there's a fuller, much fuller explanation on our website under the Know God tab up top. Click it. And I mean, there is so much information there to help you. And then connect with us, and we'll help you. Uh, We'll help you to follow Jesus with the rest of your life. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. And friend, if you'd like to hear this again, stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. Even just a quick hello telling us the station you listen to means a lot. Maybe you didn't realize it, but Pastor Ed reads them. Let us know how we can pray for you, too. You can email us through the website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And please remember that Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We look to the Lord to provide and guide. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Erwin Lutzer's excellent book, How to Break a Stubborn Habit, when your decision to change is not enough. This is a must-read for anyone who struggles with getting rid of a nasty habit. Call us now at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or go online to calvaryco.store. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the Gospel of John. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.